Good morning from Toulouse. I am back podcasting. <laughs> I am, and it's going to be a regular thing. Sorry for my scratchy sounding throat. It, uh, I've only been awake for 20 minutes because I wanted to get this episode done, put it out, and then crack on, crack on with my week in France. Uh, well, it'll be about 10 days in France. So I did a few days in Toulouse this weekend to watch the rugby randomly. My friend gave me some rugby tickets. So we went to see Fiji. Um, Fiji Portugal which was a great game and now I'm going to get the train to a few spots around France just like I used to do in my 20s as I love 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 trains (laughs) being on them know nothing about them but I'll be yeah today I'm going to Montpellier which I haven't been to in a while and obviously I spent a month in Montpellier not obviously why would you know this Um, I spent a month in Montpellier when I was in my early 20s obsessed with writing a book I never ended up doing. Um, well, I wrote it. I wrote a lot when I was there, but um, didn't finish the book throughout my 20s. And then, um, so going from Montpellier and then I'll have one night there and then two nights in Lyon. And then from Lyon, I'm going to go to Annecy in the east. And near, that's not far from Geneva. Spend a couple of nights there. Then I'll go to Paris and spend a few nights there. So that'll be, that'll be good, I hope. And yes, I'm doing that this week. I'm doing that because my uh, job is finished. My one year contract that I had in content at that company and that I'm sure over the course of my last uh, podcasts, um, I spoke all about my anxieties about fitting in and managing ADHD and getting work done and blah, 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 blah. And um, yeah, it was a maternity cover contract, which is ended and the company's being integrated with a bigger company and all this sort of thing. And I'm trying not to take it personally, but we will go into that another day. Uh, so yeah, once again, once again, my attempts at having some sort of stable life where I go, you know what, Hajj, you can handle this, you can handle your ADHD, you can handle all that anxiety stuff of, oh, should be doing something else. And uh, yeah, once again, an attempt at being more stable. <laughs> The decision has been taken out of my hands. Anyway, I'll go into that another day. I'm actually holding just my um, handheld mic rather than being plugged into my laptop. So I can't really see much in the way of levels or anything like that. So I am going to keep this quick. It is another uh, tricky episode. This is Baby Loss Awareness Week again. And... You might have listened to the last podcast I did during Baby Loss Awareness Week where I spoke to my friend Jules and of course she and her husband Ed lost their daughter Chloe Kelly full term and she spoke all about that and she spoke in quite a lot of detail about the days itself going through it and the grief process and and yeah and hopefully you know looking forward and well as you'll find out in this podcast that is not actually um, what happened really for for Jules? It has not been an easy year, so we decided to do another catch up. It's quite a long episode. I think it's about we we were hitting two hours, and I think I do need to say that we laugh a lot. None of really what she talks about is a laughing matter, but somehow I hope there's just healing in the laughter. I think, you know, the physical act of laughing itself is helpful to people. It's a healing thing. 
and I want, <laughs> if you're listening to this, and maybe some of the things that she talks about are very personal to you as well and very difficult for you to listen to, if you don't want to hear people laughing alongside that, then maybe this isn't, um, maybe you've probably stopped listening here. However, it is funny. It's actually very funny. Um, she's a very funny lady and we make a lot of jokes. It is very, very dark humour. But I don't care <laughs> because if that's what my friend needs to talk about what she's been through, then my God, my God, that's what she's going to get. So I think that's all I need to say. She talks about a lot of difficult things. So I'm not one for the trigger warnings, but consider yourself trigger warned about a lot of difficult things. So it's it's not been the best year for her, but we start off laughing. So I'm back with a podcast, hoping that what Jules talks about again is both healing for her and for other people listening who might be affected by some of what she's been through this year. She is an incredible woman and I'm very grateful to her for talking to me with such openness and with the hope that, you know, these conversations will help people. So during Baby Loss Awareness Week, here I am talking to my incredible friend, Jules Kelly. Since the last time we spoke on the podcast and we had a really enlightening conversation and I think really helpful for a lot of people going through baby loss or supporting people with baby loss. Um, I think after that, for me, it felt like, and, and I think for you, that cool, it's a time to heal and move forward and potentially think about um, you know having, having another baby and seeing where your life could take you. And unfortunately hasn't really turned out like that and all we can do is laugh because it's so ridiculously tragic that it's what like what can you do but laugh um so I'm sorry <laughs> I might keep all of this in <laughs> it is if you would do laugh you'd cry it's ridiculous but you'd cry as well yeah, yeah it is ridiculous, it is ridiculous. And, it's been and people just don't believe it a crazy packed timeline of yeah. a timeline of tragedy um it's almost like a modern Shakespeare Jules you've written uh, <laughs> when you said tragedy the first thing that came in my Step. head was tragedy yeah. because we were just talking about the steps of an <laughs> I should we should do like a a, a baby Jules's tragedy <laughs> Jules's when the baby's gone and you can't musical. go on We have to we have to write this show. <laughs> so sorry. No, we have to write this show. I will definitely be crying at some point. Do you know what's what's funny as well is after the last podcast, mm. I think a lot of people were really scared. When I just said, Oh, I've done a podcast talking about it, a lot of people were scared to listen to it because I think they thought that they were just gonna hear me crying for, yeah. for forever. Um and then <laughs> It's like people were thanking me for like, oh, thank you for making it so like, you know, funny and Easy stuff like that. Like, thanks, thanks for making it just so enjoyable. Um, it was so nice to like hear about your dead baby. But, it, um, it, but it's crazy. This is how, you know, how we are about, we're so black and white yeah. about grief. We think you're just yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. are just monotone one level for this whole period. And then poof, you come out of it and you're fine. 
And it's as if you don't have a sense of humor during these times, as if your personality is erased. And obviously part of part of healing is feeling like yourself again. It's people acknowledging you the way you want mm. to be acknowledged and not just, you know, um, and not just looking at you like the gloves. Grim Reaper, which yeah, a lot of people do. They literally just is. I still find it fascinating, like seeing how people look at me, because they will literally just walk in a room, see me, and it's like I can see them go, <gasps> and then they just stare at me, wow. like, like, like I'm a ghost, or like they've seen a ghost, or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, oh like, what do you want me to do? Well, yeah, I mean that's a, a big thing, isn't it? It's like, how do people? Um, treat you like you need like more than anything you need the rest of the world to kind of stay the same don't you, you need people mm. around you. you need some consistency and that expectation to be the same around the people you love the most and your friends and you know lots of things even though it's tempting that you want to like escape or change everything up actually what you need is consistency around you so that you can focus on the big things that have, have changed and have sort of you know rocked your life yeah um I mean, we started off laughing. It's obviously not, not a, obviously a tragedy. It's obviously a tragedy. Like, it's it's horrendous the last uh, year, two years. Eight, what, 18, 18 months, months, two 18, years. 18 months. It is, um, gosh. Um, it's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. It, I used to be so pretty. You are and pretty. I used You're to still be. pretty. This is all that matters as women. You go, You're still pretty, darling. Don't worry. You're still pretty. Doesn't matter about the dead babies. You're still pretty. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, <laughs> As we discussed, I now get people looking at me over fifty because I have so much grey hair that now men at fifty find me attractive Just for the first time. Just lean into it. Life. Just lean into it. Over fifties, baby. We want. We want those daddies. We want those daddies. Um, can't be. Can't be helped. What, yeah. Like. Every, I'm just going around tapping men on the shoulder. Could you be my daddy? If anyone does way. genuinely want to be my dad, um, get in touch with Hadge yeah. after listening to this yeah. and we can well, we well. can sort it out. I've got lots of vacancies. I mean, daddy and daughter. There is a guy, there was a guy on TikTok who actually um, gave women away who didn't have dads oh, and who wanted that. like a nice sort of father figure. Oh, and so he would do that. That's cute. Yeah. I hope um, he's not a crazy again, weirdo. Again, literally the same thoughts. <laughs> I hope he's not a weirdo. Um, like, uh, but he seems like a nice man. But yeah, um, that is the next thing. Is this a good time to say we both have ADHD? We do both have ADHD. Yeah, it's a good... It's, <laughs> everyone knows that about me now. It's like, it's my excuse If only for, you'd mentioned it, Hadge. Mm, I know. Uh, if only I'd learned how to stay on track on one sentence. I mean, we are five minutes in and we actually haven't said what has happened. We've said Chloe tragedy. We've, We've said, said dead tragedy. babies. So actually, you know, dead babies plural might give dead something away. Plural. Yeah. Um, um, so shall I say the highlights and then we get into it? Or? Yeah, I mean, God, let's, let's come on. What, what, what were the highlights of, of the last year? The highlights of like the big tragedies. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, you mean highlights in that way? I was like, I thought you were going to say. Oh, no, actual highlights. No, 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 no. I don't the, have the main, any of those. So, I, well, I think let, let's start with, because um, obviously leading on from the, the baby loss um, episode we did, you know, people often be like, oh, you know, did, did you try again? Did you get pregnant? What, what happened? Yeah. So I listened back to the episode earlier today because I haven't listened to it for, I don't think I've listened to it this year um, because I've been avoiding it because I knew that I sounded quite happy. Um, so 
during during while we were recording that episode so I think it's a it's pretty much a year ago um it's a very similar timeline actually um and it was just before my first baby loss awareness week um we started trying for another pregnancy last summer um we were told by the medical professionals that um that what happened with Chloe was one in ten thousand and the the Everything with the next pregnancy should be absolutely fine. Um, so we proceeded with that knowledge. Um, and then during our first baby loss awareness week, which is in October, um, during our first one last year, we found out that we were pregnant on the Wednesday of our first baby loss awareness week. So that kind of um, changed, I guess, how we felt about baby loss awareness weeks. It kind of became this thing of like... You know, we went to an event on the Sunday, uh, which they're running again this year um, near Highgate. Um, if anyone is interested, look into the North East London Sands Group. Um, so there was this really nice event on the Sunday that I went to with my friend Charlotte and um, another friend through Sands. And then, you know, that was my first big, I guess, baby loss event that I'd ever been to. And then three days later on the Wednesday, I found out that I was pregnant. Um, so it kind of followed that pregnancy, the start of the pregnancy followed us a fairly similar timeline, I guess, to Chloe. Because with Chloe, we got pregnant. We found out we were pregnant in the July. So we were just a few months behind the process with Chloe. Um, so that was the kind of start of the journey. Um, and then... The next thing that happened after that, because of everything that happened with Chloe, we knew that we were going to have very frequent monitoring. Um, and so I had a six week scan where they can just confirm the pregnancy, which they did. But they can't tell you anything else. They just say, yes, there is a pregnancy and that's it. Um and then they told us to come back in two weeks time for the eight week scan where they can see if there's a heartbeat. And then that's when you're really looking at the kind of like they, they call it the viability of a pregnancy, which I fucking hate that phrase. But um, so we went back two weeks after that, which was like early November. Now, in November, um, on it was it was the Tuesday night before the eight week scan. So the eight week scan was first thing on the Wednesday morning. Tuesday night, um, I am at work until quite late, running a writer's workshop. And during the break, I notice a missed call from my aunt, and that's very un irregular for our relationship. We would always usually try and book in a time to speak to each other. And um, for context, like my cousin um, was long term sick uh, with um, she'd been facing mental health challenges for a long time, but had been really, you know, facing into them for the past 10 years. Um, so the minute that I saw the phone that I'd missed the phone call, I thought I, and I immediately thought there's something wrong with Arushka. Um, went back into the session, finished the session, left. My aunt had texted me saying, have you got Ed's number? 
And at that point I was like, oh, I think something's really wrong if she's asked me that. Um, and I text her. Ed, I think Ed, your, Ed your husband. Ed, my husband. Um, I text her, I think at that point, sending her his number. And I said, I'm just getting on the tube. I'll be home at about 10 or half 10, something like that. Got home and I thought, oh, I'll just phone her as... No, I think I, I tried to phone her when I got off the tube. I couldn't get through. Um, got home and Ed, I think, had started drinking to try and help him deal with the situation. Um, love him. He's so sweet. Um, and he was just... Like, the minute I saw him, I was like, oh, fuck, something really bad has happened. And he was like, I need you to sit down, I need you to sit down. And I was like, I think I think I know. I think I know, like, something really bad's happened. And bless, so, like, my aunt had phoned him and let him know that my cousin had been missing for a few days by this point um my cousin is I would say nearly my closest family member um we're very similar age we're very close in age she was I think like nine months younger than me or something like that um and over the past 10 years when we've both really struggled with mental health issues crises etc uh, we've really been there for each other and really understood that. And we're, we've been the, the main people in our family that have got that from a lived experience perspective, because not many people have kind of been through the crises that we've been no through. no one understands as closely as someone in your family about... Exactly, yeah. exactly. And a, and a lot of our kind of like trigger points and issues that we've had and like, you know, a lot of the traumas that we've had, uh, there are a lot of similarities. Um and we're also like neither of us have a sister. We've both got I I've got one brother, she had two. Um and our kind of like placement in the family and age and all of that kind of stuff is all very similar. And it's our it's my dad that is uh, the brother of her mum. Um and Arushka would often so Arushka lived a uh, few hours away from me, so our relationship was mostly over the phone. But I had seen her um, about six weeks before that, that, you know, that information from my aunt. And I had, I would usually speak to her kind of every fortnight or so. And I was waiting for the eight week scan to then phone her because I didn't want us to lose the pregnancy and then have to tell her that we'd lost a pregnancy. Um, so you're worrying about her her own mental state, you mean as well? Yeah, she she um she had experienced a lot of grief in the kind of um in you know in her life and I and she'd really struggled. We really spoke a lot on the phone when I was pregnant with Chloe and she felt really connected with Chloe and she didn't feel like she was able to come to Chloe's funeral because she was she felt so kind of distraught by it. Um, so I didn't want to kind of... You're protecting her from p yeah. potential grief or yeah, yeah, triggers, yeah. yeah. Especially so, as you knew she was quite vulnerable anyway. Yeah, so exactly. Know. So, and I had it really clear in my head. I had it in my diary, you know, eight week scan. Once we know that there's definitely a heartbeat and everything looks okay. I, you know, I thought I, I even kept my evening clear because I was like, I'm going to phone her that night. Then we'll talk through it all. And then it'll, you know, we can create a plan, whatever. Um... 
So found out on the Tuesday evening that she was missing. Wednesday morning, first thing, we had the eight-week scan. Uh, There was a heartbeat. Everything that they can tell at that point seemed fine. Um, Go home and then I kind of start trying to get stuff ready for like missing person stuff, getting photos together for the police. Um, There weren't a lot of people who had photos of her, but I seem to have quite a lot. So I was the person kind of trying to pull all of the photos together. Um, and I had access to her Facebook account and not a lot of people did. So I could also look on there and stuff like that. Anyway, so we start kind of like missing person stuff. Um, where she went missing um, has an association with people not making it. Um, and people passing away. Um, so that was a kind of indicator that there was something really serious um, because her, I think by this point we knew that her car had been found somewhere. Um, yeah, so I, so I kind of started, I think I, I immediately kind of paused work stuff and I just started to, you know, post things on social media because I also had the you know most social media kind of followings I guess out of the family um and I also know a lot of people around the UK so I was able to just be like look we are going to potentially start looking for somebody in this location do I know anyone there blah 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 starting to look at all the transport how do I get there blah blah blah. but also very conscious that I was pregnant so also thinking like this is you know looking for my closest family member, one of my closest family members is going to be very difficult emotionally. I'm carrying a pregnancy. We know what happened with Chloe, blah, 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 all of this kind of stuff. So I was also really like cautious that I didn't want to kind of push myself too far. How did you feel during that time about Arushka? What was your, did you have any sort of sense or was it just right? Let's just crack on. Were you in any kind of way denying what you might what you might have known has happened already or was it like nope she, she could she could still be out there and so I was I think I had a different perspective to a lot of the other family members my I was convinced she was hiding somewhere um she's she has been known to just kind of like go off radar for a bit so I thought that that's what she was doing so I was trying to work out who is in that location that she knows because she's probably at like a retreat or like she's doing a yoga thing or like she's doing something, you know, maybe she's like looking at the moon somewhere, like camping or like, you know, she was very like, she wasn't a massive technology fan. She wasn't really on social media or whatever. So like it would make sense that she would just be camping out somewhere looking at the stars kind of thing. So I was, I was a hundred percent convinced that she was absolutely fine somewhere. We just needed to find where. So I was kind of, telling family like it's okay you know she goes off radar it will be fine blah 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 um I didn't know that my aunt had something had come up to do with that location before um that my aunt knew that I didn't know which I didn't yeah it took me a while to to know, to find out about that that she that she'd been she'd basically gone to test the location to see uh, just to suss out the location to see what it was like and stuff. But also about that, she was 
she didn't tell you about that. And yes. in the same way that you were protecting her from yeah, any yeah, sort yeah. of, yeah. you know, sadness or potential sadness around um, your second pregnancy, she had done the same for you because of everything you had gone through. So it was this real caring for each other's yeah, grief yeah, and yeah, emotional yeah. internal world, which is yeah, yeah. kind of heartbreaking. Well, very heartbreaking, but also mm. very, very beautiful and shows this connection mm. you had. Yeah, honestly, like, I, to me, it, especially the past 10 years, she felt like a sister and she felt like how I could imagine the closest sibling relationship, how I see that close sibling relationship. That's how we felt about each other. And we reach others like, I, I honestly think that we, we're the only people that know everything about each other more than anyone else in our lives. Um, and I think that will always, like the depth that we know each other is so different to, I guess, most, most other relationships because we have both been to the darkest of dark and we can talk about it. Um, it's, yeah, it's just very different. So you were trying to, you know, put out pictures and information and all that sort of thing. And then, and then you found out about the previous um, previous incident um mm. and then yeah tell me what happened yeah so that was so that was Wednesday so Wednesday Wednesday was the scan and trying to push missing missing stuff and also just trying to rally the family like where is everybody is anyone abroad like you know just trying to I guess come together um and I wasn't on our family whatsapp group for quite a long time so I then rejoined that whatsapp group so that we could all so we were just like doing all that logistical shit you just kind of like go into a mode of like must come together must share information like, almost like you're the police yeah, or like, some shit yeah. you know I mean so it's really weird to solve a crime let's solve the crime <laughs> um like murder mystery tours or something um so that was the Wednesday and then Thursday morning, um, I received a phone call from my aunt to say that her body would, had been found and she was no longer with us, basically. Um, and I think one thing that I've, I mean, Kelsapreeze, obviously I'm in therapy. When am I not? Um, but I think one thing that I've discovered is with a lot of other losses that I've had, um, I have seen the bodies. Um, it's a kind of French Catholic cultural thing, whatever. Um, and hers is the, the only body of a close relative that I haven't seen. Um, and there's part of my brain that still doesn't believe that she's passed away because I haven't seen it. And, and I, I know that the other family members have because I've seen theirs. Um, but I knew that I couldn't, and also with the pregnancy, I just thought I can't, I can't put myself through that. I can't do that. So yeah, so then we found out that she was gone, um, and then I got signed off from work for like a month. And we're talking only six months after Chloe was born, as well. And, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, Chloe was born in the February, and then this was the tenth of November which was also our wedding anniversary. <laughs> oh, it's so nice having like just moments beautiful in dates. a diary that you can just really, <laughs> really remember fondly. 
you know, my birthday was was at Chloe's funeral, <laughs> so it's 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 a love. I actually, I you know, it's sort of a nice way. I actually like that. I now have a date where I also remember Chloe every year. It's uh, it's like my own special date as well. Um, yeah, it's good to have these in the make a special death calendar just to. <laughs> Well, that's basically, it's just my brain. My brain is just a set of death dates. Um, it's just waiting for the next one, really. I mean, you go through it just, much earlier. That You know, it's usually you be in your 70s. I think Milton Jones has a joke about old women. Oh, do you remember Maud? He's, she's died. Do you remember Charles? He's died. Do you remember Edward? He's died. <laughs> don't say that. I don't want Ed to die. <laughs> oh, he's dying. He's an Edward, not Edward. Um, um, sorry, two seconds. Um, so, you know, away from the, the humour of these situations and just... <laughs> the joy of the it joy all. The joy of it all. Um, so you, you found out um, about, about Arushka. Um, your pregnancy was so far going well um, and you had to kind of balance this mm. grief with this maternal instinct to protect mm. your baby and your pregnancy. But what was... What were those few months like, especially leading up to sort of Christmas? And what was what was that like? It was a hot mess, really. Um, so just to kind of clarify it as well, it was very apparent um, that it was suicide. And what I hadn't realised is that she had attempted a suicide a few months prior, which I didn't know at the time. Um so, and that was known by, yeah, oh, don't need to go into that. Um, and that was the thing, you know, yeah, she had protected you from. Yeah, 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 to- yeah. And I mean, I did, I did sense the last time that I saw her, which is actually, you know, nearly a year ago. The last time that I saw her is um, in a few, it will be a year in a few days. And um, I did sense that she was really different. Um, but she sometimes in, in, recent years she took a while to kind of warm up into a situation um and we only had 15 minutes because she'd lost track of time and stuff which often happens with like medication and mental health and so on um so we only had 15 minutes together so we were just like really trying to get on the same page and then I knew I had to leave and so on so it was quite a it wasn't a normal scenario um so yeah, so then we realized that she was gone, um, which was um, a huge shock to me because I hadn't, ex- I hadn't, I really hadn't expected it at all. Um, and it felt like we'd been through so many dark times together and got through it that it just, I just didn't. I just thought that we had worked out enough emergency case scenarios of what to do and how to get through it. And like, we both have a cat and all of this kind of stuff. Like we both have various comfort things that we would go to. Um, So I just, and to be honest, I still can't really believe it. Um, And then also I was kind of hit with this, like, I cannot believe I was waiting for that scan to talk to her because I didn't speak to her because we were conceiving around the time that I last saw her. I didn't, you know, cause I also didn't want to tell her that we were trying again because I didn't, 
want her to then ask and then feel like I had to be honest and all that. Because, like, we couldn't, we would tell each other absolutely everything. Like, she knows absolutely everything about me. I know absolutely everything about her. Like, I know you never fully know somebody, right? But she, we knew everything that was going on in each other's brains and had, you know, everything that had happened in, in each other's lives. Um, so you thought that she would always just reach out if anything yeah yeah and I and I guess that's the thing that had changed you know after Chloe passed away she I mean we still we still spoke a lot last year but I guess she didn't tell me the depth of how bad it was because she didn't want to add well she didn't want a burden like I I imagine it all came from these all these things that come from a place of love and caring and putting someone first it's like I said, this is such a heartbreaking situation where, yeah, the grief that you're going through, mm. um, you know, means that people don't want don't want to lean on you or don't want to make mm. you feel that you... I mean, I God, I remember like three weeks after Chloe, I think you were putting on a brain face and I was chatting some shit about feeling anxious about my boyfriend being away and stuff. It was just ridiculous. And you're like, well, right we on. did miss your birthday. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> um, but that feeling of needing help, everyone sort of looks at their own lives through different measures. Oh, this isn't bad enough to need someone's help. Mm-hmm. Like at what point um, do you lean on the, or, or just reach out or let the people you love know when something's going on? Um, I think, I think thinking about it now, I think we were both trying to protect each other from more grief because mm-hmm. we'd both experienced at this point such heavy griefs because um, she'd lost a lot of close people in the years up to her passing away. Um, so I was trying to protect her about me potentially losing a baby, and she was trying to protect me with the amount of grief that she was in that I just didn't know. Um, I knew that she was down, but I don't think I realised that it was grief. I think I just thought it was needing to try other medications or needing to try new therapies or whatever. And I... Until Chloe, I'd never really experienced what grief is or what grief can be like. So, yeah, I wish I'd have known. But How are you managing those feelings of, you know, the the classic feelings of regret and anger and all of that? How how are you you coping with those? Medication. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Sertraline. (laughs) Heroin, what what of it? Speaking of, we'll come back. We'll come back to heroin because we'll there put is some, in heroin. That's fine. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> we will come back to heroin. We're gonna have a great night. Why not? <laughs> Moving on from some... my uh, rhubarb tonic to heroin. Let's do it. There is some. Um, there is some remedy fentanyl coming up later. So uh, stay tuned for that. <laughs> not. Not. Not in terms of our situation right now. In terms of the story. Right. But um, okay. not that I go into like drug addiction or anything like that just yeah, been through, you've been through so much and it's just put that on the list on, ended up on the streets just like <laughs> but yeah dealing with those feelings of uh of yeah like that you know suicide survivors feel where you feel the the loss betrayal anger but also the regret and i've done more like how other than yeah. medication like yeah, yeah, yeah what is going through your what, what in those initial months what was going through your brain and and, and more now how are you sort of keeping that in kind mm. of check and well, I think when it happened, you know, they always say after 12 weeks, you're kind of safe in terms of pregnancy. Obviously, we know that that is bullshit. But at that point in time, because I was six weeks, I just kept thinking, 
I need to, I need to just, I need to just get the baby here kind of thing. And I was really, like, I really, I couldn't grieve properly because I was worried about the baby like hearing me or like just just I was so focused on must keep the baby that I just couldn't really grieve properly I mean I was like wailing and stuff but I wasn't um I guess I wasn't sitting in it Mm. um and I wasn't like overthinking it because the main day-to-day focus was the pregnancy um because because I had to have so much medical intervention again with this pregnancy um and actually I think it was I think it was at this point at the eight week scan that we um called the baby seahorse uh because at that scan it was a it was a really clear seahorse shape um and I remember just saying (laughs) during the scan I was like oh it's a little seahorse (laughs) um which was really cute so you know the name seahorse just stuck from that moment onwards um you know, and I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. when we find Arushka, I'll get to tell her that it's a seahorse and, you know, all of that stuff. And then and then also what's really weird is she didn't know I was pregnant. So, like, she's passed away not knowing that I was pregnant again, which now is probably a blessing. Yeah. But, <laughs> but at the time I was like... I, I mean, I don't want you to be sent into these sorts of awful spirals that's just living in my brain no I know but how do you feel when you think of that moment where everything was hopeful like yeah 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 but I think this is the thing after like a after a severe grief like after Chloe you never feel the same sort of hope that you did beforehand because it's like your world has you know you your world started at a 10 and then when something like that happens, you go down to a zero and then you're just like slowly building up the numbers. So like at this point of getting pregnant, I was, you know, let's say I was like a four, maybe a five. Um, so you think that you're like building up, building up slowly. And you're also just like in anything bad could happen any minute protection mode, you know. At the I, same time, I was must feel well, you know, it's like, yeah, I must yeah, feel yeah. okay, oh God, I need to be in a good, but you can't do that. But it's, it's, it's all such anxiety. a head fuck and it's like, yeah, you, you're just, you know, oh, I must, I must try and laugh because that's good for the baby. Um, oh, I've got to eat really, really well and so that I don't get gestational diabetes and I had to take all this medication and I had to put things up inside me, which I hadn't ever had to do, to do before because apparently that helps in some way. Um, <laughs> random. Um, so you know all of these things, and and like you say, like in the prep for Christmas, and we'd started this, uh, you know, we'd started this kind of Christmas ritual of um, me always spending kind of twenty sixth or twenty seventh of December either with my aunt, uh, with my aunt and my cousin, and sometimes like my aunt's partner and Ed and blah blah blah. But it we started doing that kind of like five, six years ago. So that became the new thing. And one of the last photos that I have with Arushka um, is the Christmas before where I was heavily pregnant and you can, you can tell that I'm really, really pregnant. And it's like me, Ed, Arushka and my aunt. And then you look at that photo now and like, two of those people aren't here anymore because Chloe's gone and Arushka's gone. And it's like, that you know, 
you don't expect people of that age or whatever to just to go. So she was 35, four, 35, I can't remember anyone's age. 35, I think, when she passed away. Um, so very young and like, oh, yeah, love her. She's amazing. Um, so I was off work for like a month, um, just kind of trying to get through the weeks with the pregnancy. Um, <laughs> I started um, a rush. So during lockdown, because Arushka and I lived so far away from each other, what we would do is go on those hourly walks mm-hmm. that we were allowed a day. And I didn't really start walking until that point. Um, but we would both do it and then phone each other. I think you, you and did I did it me. as well. Yeah, we you and I did it. I, I did it with a couple of people. Yeah. Uh, but my, Arushka was like the one that I would do it with kind of like every couple of days. And um, so we'd, you know, we'd, we'd go out and I would always go on exactly the same route. And I knew that that would take an hour. So I did that route. I, st- I started doing that route like every day, every other day um, with Seahorse um, while I was pregnant, you know, while we were prepping for her funeral. Um, and I started feeding squirrels. Because <laughs> like in the Olympic part, the squirrels are really tame. Um, I, know, I know you're not supposed to. I remember my old yeah. neighbour being like, you're not supposed to feed squirrels. Um but I was just like, fuck it. And she loved nature as well. And she loved animals. And so is that kind so of way of you honouring her? Like, yeah, yeah, well, because I was like, if, if, if that, I associate that walk with her. And there are so many, like, even if I do it now, there'll be places where I go. I'm like, this is when she said that. This mm-hmm. is when she said that. This is when she started crying. This is when I laughed about that. This is when I told her this. So I still make, I still associate that walking journey with her um and I then started going to feed the squirrels loads in that period before her funeral to just I guess like fill the days get out of the house to feel close to her as well because it's what we used to do together and she did love nature like she was so like outdoorsy she always felt better in nature in the park and we would always whenever we would see each other we would always go for a walk um and like there was some you know, there were some Christmases where she would literally just drive to wherever I am and then we would go and walk somewhere randomly for an hour and then she'd get in the car again, you know, like it's, you know, that's just one thing that we really, that the both of us really love doing and it's supposed to be really good for your mental health as well. Um, doesn't work for everybody. Um, <laughs> so then it was Christmas and then fucking December. So in December, so we so Arushka's funeral was the end of November uh and it was really difficult suicide funerals don't recommend very sad awful um my aunt did such a great job of kind of making it as like arushka and um calm and kind of beautiful as possible she did a really good job and we had I pulled together like a a slideshow of all of her photos and stuff so it's really nice to share all of those and really nice to kind of hear different memories about her and stuff this is going to sound like an awful awful question um sort of come to my mind I probably don't know how to frame it properly is it why is everyone dead it's not why is everyone dead uh, (laughs) but that's a good way of making mine seem not so bad it's um I mean, I know she struggled with depression and mental health and all that um, sort of thing. Is there any element of 
because I don't know if there was a note or anything, we don't need to get into that, but was there any element of this was her choice and you feel that there's a part of you that cannot celebrate that, but acknowledge that and feel some sort of comfort that, you you know, it's such a weird area, but... It is a... You can say no, absolutely No, 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 no. It is, it is a relief that she's at peace because she found life impossible. Just everything was just impossible. And because of the fucking Tory government as well, she was, you know, she was on benefits and she should have never have been allowed to live on her own. Um, it's funny, a magpie just came and flew down. One for sorrow, yeah. Tell me about it, mate. Come on, come on, another one. There's usually another one. Come along. <laughs> Why don't we get to the babies? Because the then it's done. like, yeah. <laughs> uh, one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> we just need just a balcony full of magpies. Because <laughs> the, uh, the bird um, feeders, um, yeah, the. It's the it's the witches hatch. Just the, the tune, just tune I into it. They're called soft, something balls. They are. Like they like their balls. They, not soft balls. I can't remember. <laughs> Curtis puts them out. <laughs> it's all right, love. We can. We'll keep the snorting. It's all fun. Um, um, so so yeah, she's she is at peace. At peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, like it. it she had been. She had been planning it for a while. Um, So it's not like it was accidental, if that makes sense. Um, I guess all versions are awful, but it is what she needed. She also did believe that there was some sort of afterlife for her. Um, And I I think she had said something along the lines of like, I'll fix all this in my next life or something like that kind of thing. She hadn't said that to me, but she'd said that to somebody else. Um, So that must give some tiny sense of comfort about her own choice in this, that it was, yeah, I mean, having believing in the afterlife. If you believe in that, mm. then it, yeah. Gives other people a sense that, okay, you feel like you're going, moving forward to somewhere, not just ending one thing. I think she had also experienced so much trauma um somehow more than I've experienced you know and like the amount of trauma that she's experienced is completely overwhelming and she'd experienced so much grief at such a young age um really deep really really deep grief you know some of the most important people in her life um and you know a lot of people, not just one or two, like a lot of people. So, and honestly, she tried to get better so hard. She had tried bloody everything. She had tried all the stuff recommended by NHS. Like she was, she was, you know, known to her local mental health team. Um, so she really had tried everything. She'd tried alternative therapies. She'd tried medical therapies. She tried counselling. She had a counsellor, I'm sure, right up until it. Um, so she really had tried every single thing and nothing worked for her. I'm very lucky that a lot of things have worked for me. Um, and I don't want anybody to think if 
that if they're at the point where things haven't worked for them, I do I do honestly think there are always things you haven't tried. And that is a regret because both of us, um, both of us were always fairly anti-medication. Um, I'd actually never taken it until this year in terms of mental health medication. I've been offered it for the past 15 years or so. Maybe not 15, maybe about 10. Um, so, and, and I, you know, obviously medicine is constantly changing and we're finding out new things and also just like advocates and um, information and whatever, like the world is constantly changing. Like we could literally wake up tomorrow and they found a cure to PTSD and all of this kind of stuff, like, you know, a medical cure or something really easy. But she just couldn't anymore. Yeah. Um, I often have this, I have this thought that, you know, when, when you're sort of at the depths of despair and everything and often, I mean, I, I don't understand what it's like when it's so completely internal that changing a couple of external circumstances won't mm-hmm. not fix it, but ameliorate mm-hmm. it at least. So I don't understand what it's like to feel like wherever you go, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no release. Yeah, there's no there's release. no release or relief. But I had this thought and I, um, I wanted to, I think it could be some sort of little question on, I don't know, some mini podcast or whatever. Um, but what is your get out plan? Like, you know, if like the world is imploding on you, what would you do? If it meant saying goodbye to everyone, like where would you, would you go somewhere? You'd work in a cafe, you'd be a lumberjack. Like what, like, you know, like I feel like I've always thought what would be my, because to save your loved ones from losing you. Mm. Like I often think that your loved ones would always like, would prefer you to leave and never see them again. If it meant that you could be somewhere where you're happy. Cause I just think life is so, so precious and that idea of um yeah not not being around for other people or the the grief that other people would go through I think what would be my get out so anyway it's just a weird little well I mean I think for the first time this year I think that's I think I've kind of gone to that place for the first I mean <laughs> a lot of my life has been shit let's be honest <laughs> But, um, but like, yeah, I've, so for the first time this year, I've, I've phoned a crisis line, which I've never done before. I told you about the time I did, didn't I? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's one of my best jokes. I called the Samaritans. <laughs> they didn't pick up. They didn't pick up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but also I did, I genuinely called the baby loss charity yeah. and they didn't pick up either. You know, when you're like, my baby is dead, at least I can call these people. Uh, they won't even pick up and talk to me. Yeah, because you know, you see like the Samaritans numbers and they're all on like the bridges and everything. Imagine if you're actually on the bridge and then the Samaritans don't pick up. You're like, well, fuck you then. This is a sign. No one wants to talk to This is a sign. Um, but thank God there are actual crises yeah. lines. Yeah, so you, you, you call phone. the crisis line. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think I phoned, I can't remember how I got through. I think I phoned 111. Um, Not 1181. <laughs> I've got a crisis line. Got your number. Got your number. Got your number. One one eight. One one eight. Can I? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in a bad place. Life is horrible. Sorry, no, great. Love that. Love that. One one one. I'm aware that I say one funny. It's one of the words that I say funny. I think one? I say it more in a northern accent. One. I ah. Uh, so can you I, hear it? Um, I had this with an ex-in-law where they said that I. So I say wonder and wonder the same, like whether it's an O or an A. 
And they were like, no, when you're wondering, oh, you're wondering. And when yeah, you're yeah. wondering, you're wondering. And I'd always said yes. the same. So I think I maybe uh, changed my... Um, uh, Our accents are a mess, a basically. One. Yeah. One. How do you say one? One. 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 I think I say it's like... Don't I say, I think I don't say, say it in a London accent. I say it the same as W-O-N. Like, because... But I swear yeah, it's exactly, how we were taught. Yeah, yeah, how we were taught. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this is pronounced the same as that. You go, okay. Um, and actually it's more like one. Like one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One of them exactly. is one. Yeah, one, one and one. Yeah, one. Yes, that's yeah. a good point. Thank you. I've been wondering that for like twenty years. Be, what, for... You've been wondering it. I've been wondering <laughs> it for. <laughs> Man, yeah. She's anyway, just too funny. I think one is fine. Um, how you say it? That's, thank you, yeah, babe. Yeah. yeah. So one, 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 one. Um, <laughs> and anyway, yeah, got through to a crisis line. Um, yeah. But that that comes up later in the story, I guess. We, we, do, like, we, we haven't we haven't even gone. Oh God! This. Yeah, we haven't. Um, I was going to do it sort of thematically, but yeah, we're doing it chronolo- chronologically. Um, so tell me about the rest of the shit that's happened in your life. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Um, okay. So Christmas. Um, yeah. So so yeah. let's let's talk about December. So in December. Uh, so just after Arushka's funeral, a couple of days after Arushka's funeral, we move house. In moving house, I transfer hospitals for the baby. Um, so I was originally at Homerton Hospital, which is where I had Chloe as well. And then I moved over to St. George's Hospital in Tooting. And they are a specialist hospital for complicated pregnancies and high risk pregnancies, which I didn't, we didn't know that at all. And we just moved there. And then it just happened that, that that's where we were. Um, and you must have thought why, when we refer to a place like this anyway, <laughs> like in the, well, early... I don't know. Well, I mean, the thing is with Chloe, like it, I, no, mean, I don't mean, yeah, for the first part, I mean, when you were living before you moved, like you had, yeah, a I guess I just didn't, so yeah, I just didn't know. Known, but then yeah. I also think it was in a way fate that we ended up at that hospital, even though it didn't pan out very well. Um, that's what in December, you're ruining, the, you're ruining the end of the story, Jules. I'm so sorry. So in December, so literally, it was it was the week after. I think it was a week or two after the funeral. We just moved house. So I was still in like, you know, we're planning for fucking Christmas that I usually have with Arushka. Also first Christmas without Chloe, you know, that was supposed to be our first Christmas with Chloe. Like, so Christmas already was going to be horrific. Um, We go to the hospital. (laughs) And before going for our first appointment at at the new hospital, they asked me to send over all of our notes to do with Chloe. Um, and to be honest, like, I, like, I think it was like 90 pages we had of notes, um, in three different documents, like, and it's mostly jargon to us, apart from the things that they had to say in very like easy English in letters or whatever. It's all like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what that means. So we go in for our first meeting (laughs) and... There's three people. Oh, no, we went in. No, first of all, it was just one lady. Anyway, uh, very quickly. So in, in after the first pregnancy, and I think I mentioned this earlier, uh, we did like lots of testing, blah, blah, blah. They said that there was absolutely no sign that anything would be a problem in the second pregnancy. 
what happened to Chloe was one in 10,000, should it all be fine? The placenta should be fine. Everything should be fine. Um, we should never have any issues again. When we got to the hospital, they'd looked through all of our notes and very quickly, um, they said, um, you know, this is going to be a high risk pregnancy again. We may need to think about a very early delivery between 30 and 32 weeks, which is over two months early. Um, so, you know, set, like giving birth at seven months pregnant instead of nine months pregnant. They said it's very likely all of your risk factors that you had with Chloe will come back, which is the complete opposite of what we were told at the other hospital. And so immediately I'm like, what? <laughs> sorry, what? And also, and also, sorry, my cousin's just died. Can you say that again? Because <laughs> like, this is literally like weeks. It may have even just been a week after the funeral. Um, you know, and they're like, what family support do you have? And I'm like, my cousin has just died from suicide. Um, I don't know. Hello, what's your name? Can it, can you be my dad? Um, so there weren't actually any men. We've got to stop doing that to men on the street. We've really got to stop. Just like, there was no. a man, there was like the head of the department there. I can't remember what his name was. He wore these amazing bow ties. I wish he could have been my dad. Another bow I never got dad. to talk to him though. That's sad. Um, so December, that's when we're told... <laughs> The laughter I don't really know. sets I just, up the, the like, scene, I think. Because I've just remembered. So in December, they also, they pulled out loads of things to do with Chloe that we didn't know. Um, so they said that one of the main reasons that she died was from an infection. Nobody had ever said that to us. And so she was like, okay, now we need to test you for all sorts of things to work out if this infection is still inside you. Um, this is why I started laughing. They sent me to a sexual health clinic when I was, really clearly pregnant right and they booked me in for like I think it was like a 9am on a Saturday morning or something like something ridiculous when everybody is going in after clubbing or whatever and I had to queue up outside um I have my massive pregnancy badge on me with my massive bump, and I'm like, yeah, I'm here for a sexual health screening. <laughs> and everybody's kind of, everyone's just kind of like looking at me, trying not like, to look at I me. I know who your father is! I know who your father is! <laughs> and so they had to like oh shove all sorts of You'd stuff. you think there's another way of doing a screening for a pregnant person. My gosh. Wow. I mean, it did make me laugh shitloads yeah. because it is ridiculous, isn't it? Um, and it was <laughs> really yours? funny. Is this yours? <laughs> Oi, is this bump yours? Sorry. And you Carry know, on. like, like when they were like, "You don't have HIV," I was kind of like, "I know, I know that because I haven't like I've I have been screened, and I know. Thank you, but like as it." You know, as if I don't know that I've got chlamydia. Like, I, yes, thank you. I know that I don't have chlamydia. Thank you. Um, Anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, but also, like, the doctor sending me here was like, you know, so it could be like a, 
a sexual disease or whatever, you know, like chlamydia or like syphilis or blah, 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 and all these things. And I'm like, but they were testing you for infections because they said Chloe died from an infection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were trying to see if you still had that infection within you that yes. then passed on to her. Exactly. And that it then could pass on to next baby. Right. And their first thought was chlamydia, gonorrhea or <laughs> HIV. Couldn't be anything else. That was Honestly, okay. and it was like... And, you know, I like I do take sexual health so seriously. So I knew yeah, that I didn't have anything. For a while. I well, think exactly. That's quite, you know. Exactly. Right. So I I knew that I didn't have any. I, there could have been like a different type of, I mean, who knows? But HPV or whatever that. Who, who bloody knows? Anyway, came back clear, Kel surprise. Um, But they were just trying to test me for all sorts of things. So I was in hospital like sometimes twice a week, three times a week. Um... You know, and and they they were saying like we need to keep a really really close eye on you. They had to do like special scans a lot, and so I was in hospital constantly. And like you know, the last doctor at the other hospital had sold me as like your next pregnancy will be the one, and it will be so lovely, and blah blah blah. And like yes, you may have a bit of anxiety, but you won't need all this hospital treatment. And then there I am, like <laughs> back in two three days a week. With them being like, yeah, it'll probably all come back. You'll probably get gestational diabetes again. There'll probably be placenta problems. And you'll probably get that OC thing where you get itchy hands and feet. And also there was an infection. So we need to work out what that is, you know. So I'm like, oh, my God. Um, so that was Christmas. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> and Look, genuinely, like a Christmas carol <laughs> is sort of, yeah, you know. I think, I think... I, we had an appointment on the 23rd of December where they just told us loads of terrible things. And then we got in the car to go to Christmas and we were like, no, Merry Christmas, everybody. Christmas Merry God Christmas. Us, everyone. Merry Christmas to all the dead people. Amen. Um, fucking nightmare. Um, so that was Christmas. And then January was just shitloads of tests and hospital, hospital, hospital. And then it was also the build up towards Chloe's birthday, which is 14th of February, because we love an anniversary that used to be happy. Um, So there's also that thing of like, oh, God, now February's really close. We're in that new year. Oh, at least this year will be a good year. We won't have anything bad happening this year. 2023 is the one. Um, Fuck off. Um, So then we start prepping, like, what are we going to do for Chloe's birthday? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so we decided to go away just before Chloe's birthday. We know that we've got the 20 week scan, um, the day after Chloe's birthday, they tried putting it on her birthday and we were like, "Mm, can we move that please? (laughs) But sure, let's put it the day after. Um, so we went away the night before her birthday, um, and we had a really nice time. We also kind of decided on the baby names, um, which was really nice. And I, th- I remember we were at dinner and we were like, oh, maybe this is us starting to turn a corner. Um, and actually, just to say as well, early February was Arushka's birthday. So it was also the first birthday without her. Arushka and Chloe have birthdays 11 days apart. Um, they're the same like star sign. They're the same birthstone. I'm just like covered in amethyst now. Um, basically, I might as well just be an amethyst. Like, like a crazy gem lady. <laughs> it's like no, actually, it's for my dead cousin and my dead baby. <laughs> it's just actually, for all the dead people. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like a gem lady. This is. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, so you know, I was like, well, what should I do for Arushka's birthday? You know, and I'd been we'd been meaning to do a tarot reading for years. But she would always, and I, and I kept saying, oh, for this birthday, let's do the tarot reading. And she would always say like, oh, I'm not well enough. I want to do it when I'm a bit better so that it doesn't kind of spin her out in a kind of negative way. So we would, we were always postponing it, postponing it. And I must have like said it to my friend, Megan, who's a tarot reader over and over again of like, are you, are you free in February? Cause I want to do a reading, but I'll let you know when I just need to work it out with my cousin kind of thing. So I did that on her birthday in the end, which was really lovely. Um, I kind of, uh, where my cousin uh, lives, uh, they did like a, they planted a tree that was her favorite tree. Um, and I planted the same tree at mine as well in a pot so that I can move it. Um, so we did that, um, you know, and then lo and behold, 11 days later it's then chloe's birthday so february can fuck off oh my god how am i gonna get through february september through to march can fuck, fuck off, off now um so we've got five months to have a nice time um so yeah got through chloe's birthday and then on the 15th of feb day after chloe's birthday we go in for our 20-week scan and 20-week scans is where they start to be able to see a lot of the detail of the baby that they can't see up until that point. And actually we'd been, to do with the size of Seahorse at the earlier scan or something, we'd been pushed back a week. So it was actually a 21-week scan. Um, and you know, our, our 20 week scan for Chloe was lovely and we really enjoyed it. So we kind of had really good high hopes. Um, obviously we were a bit kind of scared cause we were a bit, we were just worried that, it, um, that the baby would be small like Chloe was. So that was, I guess the main thing that we were kind of looking out for. So we go in, we had a really nice sonographer and she starts scanning and quite early on she says look I'm going to be taking a lot of detail because you're high risk we need to just check everything a lot um, and just double check all the measurements and everything like that just to make sure that um, the doctors get everything they need so she starts scanning scanning everything and she's like I'm going to be quite quiet don't worry about it that's totally normal we were really used to that anyway so like yeah cool um, she asked if we wanted to find out the sex. We said yes. And she said it was a boy. Um, and then she said, oh, um, if you want to just step outside for a minute, um, he's not quite in the right position. So if you can step outside, wriggle around a bit and then come back in in 10 minutes um, so that I can get him in a different position, which is really normal. And that comes up quite a lot in scans. So we went out. Ed contacted a few people saying it was a boy. Um, we went back in and then quite soon after when we went back in, she said, um, I can't even remember what she said. She said something about like, I'm just, I'm just looking at the heart because the heart doesn't, so something along the lines of the heart doesn't quite look how we would expect it to. Um, but, but still being very kind of positive and, you know, I thought like, oh, it's maybe it's just to do with the positioning still. She can't see all of it properly, whatever. And then she's like, I just need to go and check with somebody else. La la la. So we then had to move into a different room and then immediately more people around us kind of thing. 
And the first woman said that there was a hole in the heart. Holes in the heart are really common. And actually, a few of my friends have got holes in the heart. Um, friends that are alive. <laughs> I just I feel like I have to say that nowadays. You know? So my life. Friends that are currently alive. You just never know. But um, I mean, I haven't checked my phone for half an hour. So they might be. Who knows? Um, hopefully they'll be able to listen to this. Maybe they won't. Um, so, so, you know, we weren't too worried at that point. Move into the other room. And then this, this doctor, she said, she was just kind of describing, I mean, we didn't have a clue what she was talking about. Um, basically there should be two different chambers for the heart and they could only find one. It's called common arterial trunk. Um, so they were just saying all these things. I don't really understand what any of them mean or like what they mean for kind of living or a pregnancy or whatever. And then she got like a, a more senior person in who was like proper, oh, he would have been such a good dad, actually. <laughs> um, he was like proper top dog and he had proper top dog energy, but in a really like calm way, like in a kind of spa voice kind of way, you know, like, Hello, would you like to have a massage or a facial? Um, I mean, I don't want that to be my dad, love. <laughs> That's, he's doing something not your else. Dad. He's doing something else and not be my dad. <laughs> um, so, loved him. And um, I remember he, he was just so good. He was so good. But he was like, you know, we, we've got some concerns, but we're not experts. We need to send you to a different hospital first thing tomorrow morning so that you can speak to like one of the best people in, in London basically about this, about the baby's heart because it doesn't appear normal or healthy. Um, and I think at this point he said, um, there are things, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he said this then. He said, there are things that we can do with this kind of heart, uh, but it means operations as soon as the baby's born. Um, sometimes it is an indicator of other issues and, and, and a genetic problem. Um, but I think he said at this point, but that's like one in five. So like, we don't need to cross that bridge yet. And we were just trying to like process everything like, oh, what? Heart? There could be an operation. Um, so we're just like, oh, what? Um, so we then just, you know, book in for the specialist the next morning. We go in there. Um, and then that is like a really, really long scan where it's literally just like this guy just like the technology is absolutely amazing like massive massive room all of these machines and everything um and they're literally zooming in on a heart that is i've got tiny hands but it's basically the size of fingernail kind um, of tippy fingernail the, the tip of your fingernail that's how big the heart is kind of thing and they were just zooming in on that and they could see everything in it you know um, it's just, it's, oh my it just doesn't make any sense no. that you could do that, right? Yeah, you're not right. I'm, I'm thinking of like a sort of a small ball or something yeah. in my head. It's ridiculous. It's yeah, like absolutely tiny. Um, and then <laughs> I remember with Ed, I can't remember what we called them, but by this point we'd been walked into so many like, we either called them crying rooms or death rooms or like serious rooms, like rooms where we had to be away from everybody else in so that people could they not hear us screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and 
And we were like, oh, God, we were in another sad room or whatever. I think we called them sad rooms. And um, and then he got, he got his leaflets out, didn't he? Loves a leaflet. Got a little leaflet out. Shout out to the British Heart Foundation who uh, funded the leaflets. Um, and it was a leaflet about common arterial trunk. And he also drew us some diagrams, which I've still got somewhere. I won't put them on the fridge. Um, nice though, isn't it? Yeah. Who draws these yeah, days? Draws no one draws on paper. Coloring. It could be like one of those colour me happy kind of books that I've got that people keep buying me. Maybe you heard my voice and thought she's really dumb. I better just draw this out for her. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, she must be yeah, bit, really bit dumb. He London sounds quite industry. smart, but she sounds <laughs> really dumb. Let's draw it but out. But he can't be if he's with her. because. <laughs> <laughs> here's a little picture here's a little picture um so drew it all out and basically said there's a serious issue with the heart <laughs> I think the fact that we keep going from laughter to like no, because, because again he's i remember him saying you know it's it's one in ten thousand and i was just like another fucking one, one in ten thousand a different yeah, a diff- how many how so do you think many they just one in 10,000? Do you think they just put do it out of the sky? Do you fuck off with your one in 10,000s for a minute? Like, and also, like, in that moment, I'm thinking, like, how common is it to have the one in 10,000 with Chloe, then have someone die by suicide, then have another one in 10,000? We can get a statistician. That's, that's madness, Like, a probability right? expert will yeah, be able exactly. to give you the exact chance they're of gonna, that. They're going to post it on your Any Twitter, aren't they? yeah, do. do. Um... <sighs> So he's like, yeah, one in 10,000 that this would happen. Chat GPT could probably throw you out an answer, to be honest. <laughs> we can do it for just absolute shits and giggles. Um, really depressing I don't think I want to know. No, I don't think so. Um, just really, it definitely would be, one in ten, it would be one in 10,000 again. No, I, know, yeah. I know that much. So, yeah. Um, and he said, um, so yeah, there's this really serious heart issue. Um, let's focus on the heart issue for now. He said, um, it can be operated on once the baby is born at, you know, two or three days old. Um, but there's a 10% chance that the baby won't make it after that operation. And there's also often when these things come up, um, the babies don't actually get to the end of the pregnancy because they pass away. Um, and then he said, um, well, if, if, we, if, if we were able to kind of, let's say that we got, let's say we were lucky for once and got, you know, we were in that 90% where we did the operation, blah, blah, blah. Um, the child would have uh, quite a lot of impact on, on their like physical health to do with the heart and would need open heart surgery kind of every five years. Um, including in childhood and so on. And that only really stops once the body stops growing. Um, and, and then in adulthood, it's kind of, you know, more every 10 years, 15 years or whatever. So like open heart surgeries at various points in your life, right? And then he said, and also this kind of heart appears um, sometimes when somebody has a genetic disorder called 22Q. 22Q on its own without the heart issue. So you've got the heart issue, you've got 22Q, 
not everybody with 22Q will have a heart issue. Not everyone with this heart issue will have 22Q. If they do have 22Q and they've got this heart issue, life expectancy and life quality is pretty terrible. Um, 22Q on its own, if there aren't any heart issues, has a lot of impact in terms of um, immune system. You have a very, very low immune system. Um, and it leads, it can relate to lots of other physical and mental challenges and impairments. Um, so the combination of both the heart and 22Q together isn't, it, it, it really doesn't bode well. And it's a very kind of, very high expectancy that that, that baby or child will pass away. So we then had to have a test to test for this genetic situation. And we said that if it is just the heart alone, then we will hope that we are in the 90%. We will aim to get to the end of the pregnancy, deliver, do the open heart surgery at two, three days old, and just like, you know, live in that kind of hopeful zone that everything will hopefully be okay. Because also who knows what's going to happen in science in five years, 10 years, whatever. Um, so we then have the blood test and then we have to wait two fucking weeks for the results. Can you imagine? Um, and literally every time the phone rings, you're like, oh my God, like, and you just can't, you can't, you can't think about anything. No. Yeah. Um, so at that point, like we didn't really leave the house very much, like, because you're just, you know, it's in limbo, you're literally, you? yeah. you're, you're waiting for a phone call basically as to whether your child is going to die or not. And you're waiting for that phone call for two weeks, you know, and, and they say, oh, it can be seven days or it can be 14 days. It can be somewhere in the middle. So you're just constantly like, where's my oh, phone? Gosh. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? And like, you know, some things they can tell you. So they test for all genetic disorders, which is like, I think it's like 30,000 different. So that's why it takes so long different disorders um the most common disorders things like i hate to use the word disorders but that's the word that they use um but those genetic things uh the most common ones are things like down syndrome um and t18 i think and t something there's there's loads um but down syndrome i guess is the one that we all know quite a lot about and hear about um so those results come back very quickly and then our results because it's much rarer takes a lot longer so we got the first call to say that we didn't have um any of those common results and that we just needed to wait for the final results and the one that we really wanted to know about was 22q where this heart thing can crop up and um you'll love this bit um throughout all of this I'd been on an ADHD waiting list from the beginning of Chloe's pregnancy so this was 18 months by this point that I'd been on the waiting list um and they waiting so easy when you've got ADHD as well <laughs> and when everyone's dying yeah you know ADHD and grief yeah. go hand in hand well, you they're have fantastic to keep you occupied while you were on the waiting list you know there's nothing to distract your brain what are you talking about um and then on the 3rd of March um I have my ADHD assessment at 9am you'll love this Ronan Keating's birthday <laughs> 
I only know that because it was when my I was due to be born on the 3rd of March and I had a crush on Ronan Keane when I was a little kid. And obviously I saw in Smash Hits or something, his birthday was the 3rd of March. I think I'm... How have you remembered that, I though? Because it was when I was due. So I just... Okay, like, oh, right, okay. I was okay. four days late and then, yeah, and I happened to know that he was the 3rd of March. That is hilarious. I feel like at this point in the podcast, you should like play a bit of Ronan Keating, but you'd probably have to pay for that, wouldn't you? you can just sing life is a roller coaster. It's really fitting. <laughs> just, just gotta ride it, Jules. <laughs> just gotta ride it, <laughs> mate. If only I'll probably end up dying on a roller coaster now, you know, and then you'll play this back life and be is like, a "Oh no, coaster just got I told her to ride that roller coaster, and now she's dead. Um, so so back to third of March. Third of March. Third of March. Had my assessment at nine a.m. So this is two weeks after the test. Assessment at nine a.m. Lo and behold, Kel surprise! I have ADHD. Who knew? Uh, Maybe everybody, (laughs) including myself. Doris definitely knows. Doris Um, Doris is the cat. Doris is the cat. We love Doris. Shout out, Doris. Um, She'll if she listens to this, she will. Probably react to I me think, saying I think her you name. get to decide if she listens to this. So <laughs> you can just make her. She has autonomy. She doesn't. She will do anything for Pat's sake. Stick her in a room and be like, "This is what you're listening to." Uh, so then, March, I got diagnosed. Uh, yeah, so I got diagnosed at eight. A, yeah, uh, sorry, at nine a.m. And then at twelve o'clock, we got the phone oh, call. <laughs> You love a results day. It's like your yeah, it's like day. getting your yeah, A-level results, yeah. isn't it? Just getting Got everything the, the, at once. The journalists is round before, just watching you about to open your, your envelope. So I've got an A in ADHD. Got an A in ADHD. Um, got a D in DHD. I thought you were going to say. God. Then you failed in the, uh, on the test. Um, and yeah, and then Seahorse's results came back. And I don't know if I said the um, probability, but it's like 20%. With probable the yeah, that it, it would be five, the combination yeah. of um, heart issue and genetic issue. And it did come back positive that he had the genetic issue. Um, and I remember doing one of those crazy scream cries again. So weird when you've heard yourself do a scream cry. Like, it's like you just real kind of... Yeah, it's just um, like, prime, it's just like pure... Primal. I don't know. Pure crazy. Um, That's not crazy, it's... The most it's just real thing, just isn't don't... it? It is. It's, know, most, it's the most real thing because it's the, the most human, yeah, maternal reaction you can have to. Think. Yeah, and I think it was just also like the. Can we just fucking stop for a minute? Like, can we? Like, ha- like, what else? Do yeah, you can want we to have do? a break? Like, what is can this? We just yeah, stop I think it's also because when we we talked about this before about the stuff you've been through as a as a child and the family <laughs> stuff and then your 20s and everything and then be like I'm going to make a family I'm going to yeah, build yeah. I'm going to start my own family and when you just like a lot of people think you know when you decide to have a family that's yeah. when you get control over your future and you get yeah, control yeah, yeah, over yeah. this beautiful home that you can yeah. make and all these all this stuff you didn't have and all these dreams you wish for and the parents you never had you can be and all that sort of well, thing yeah exactly and um, and then it's just another dream shattered. Yeah, then it's shit. Um, you got an A in ADHD, but then a Q in. Sorry, 
That's a really low grade. Cute. 22 cute. It's a really low grade. Oh my yeah. God. Well um, done, babe. That was a good... That's that terrible. Was, no, it was really good. This is all horrendous and I have absolutely no... <laughs> right. We do. We should probably say we do this all the time. Yeah. So, like, this isn't the first time that, like, no, we're always like this. It's, it's fine. It's dark humour um, because kind of that's all you're left with. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some good to, clothes as well, I, to be fair. I mean, I had the dark humour as a kid before I started to feel feelings. Like, it yeah. was when I got counselling when I was 18, 19 and I was like, laughing at something I think I was laughing at like oh yeah my dad used to hit us ha 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 she was like that's not very funny I was like is it not lol um she was the woman who taught me the word cock tease because she told oh, me that I, I was think a you were being one yeah sure like Classic. like my my Cambridge educated counsellor at my uh and you weren't related to her was not related no it was the first first non-relative to call me a whore um <laughs> and actually quite a shit whore like you're not even really putting out you're only half putting out, so what are you playing at? <laughs> oh, God, right. So from hand jobs and blow jobs, which was what I was implying, um, from my back counselor. To the, back, the back to the dead children. I mean, let's get back um, to the dead children. No, so, yeah, you let out that, that scream. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let out the scream. Which <laughs> is like, what the... And again, similar to, like, with Chloe, I hadn't started maternity leave or anything. So, yeah, again, I'm like... Oh, what? Like, because so, and also, I, I actually, did, I don't think I mentioned this earlier. Maybe I did. My brain's rubbish, sertraline. Um, one thing that I was really aware of, I guess, and this, I hope this doesn't sound. This is meant in a really nice way. With seahorse's heartbeat. Um there's a few things actually with seahorse's heartbeat his heart actually started beating within like a day of arushka's heart stopping and i was aware of that straight away i was aware of that in that week when she was found because we knew when uh we knew when she'd passed away and then i knew that that was just before the heartbeat scan um, so I really kind of, and it, like, I'd really like link, I'd, even to now, I still really link them and I've, I know we're going to talk about it. I've, um, got a tattoo that, that I got tattoos at the same time for both of them. Um, but also when, when, um, in the scan, when the first woman originally said there's a hole in his heart, um, my original thought was, oh, that's because of Chloe. Like, of course, there's a hole in his heart because his sister's died. Do you know what I mean? That's that's like where my brain went. Um, and I, and because, like I said, I, I knew that my friends um, are alive, hopefully currently, um, who have holes in their heart. I wasn't really scared off by that, that phrase. And it, it, I was just like, yeah, it's because his sister died kind of thing. Um, so then, so then... I guess we were faced with the situation of we continue the pregnancy, but it could naturally stop at any point. Um, we kind of knew that we couldn't make him live through all that pain. Like it's just too much to, to put on a child. And I think there was also a sense of having like, you know, if, some people do go on to 
have babies with both of these issues. Um, but the reality is that they need 24-hour care. It's not really, a, you know, they would be in a lot of pain throughout their life, incredibly ill because of the immune system, not living very long. So there's, you know, I don't even know if there's, we didn't look too much into it because we just knew like we we can't really do that. Um, and I heard I heard somebody describe it as, it's like you take on the pain so that they don't. Um, so we kind of, we knew, we knew very quickly. So it, at this point, actually, when we got the results, we were a couple of days before being 24 weeks pregnant, which is just under six months pregnant. Yeah, and it's 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 on the edge of having a medical termination. Um and we were kind of talked through that as an option and we talked about it a lot and our instinct was that we just couldn't it just wouldn't be fair on him to live through all of that with such, you know, and he, you know, there was a, a chance that he wouldn't even reach the end of the pregnancy. There was a chance that, and, and also he was very, very small. So there was also a concern about how small he was because he was off the chart small and his head was incredibly small as well. So there were, you know, and, and actually maybe to just explain as well with 22Q, let's ignore the heart thing, I guess, when we're thinking about this. With 22Q, it, it is a deletion of a chromosome. So it means that in babies and children with 22Q, there are things missing in them. So in Seahorse's uh, situation, he was missing a chamber in his heart. He, he could have also potentially been missing an ear, a foot, a kidney. Um, so there's a load of unknowns. There are loads of unknowns yeah. as to like what other things he could, um, if he was going to continue developing, other things he could be missing that haven't been spotted yet. And also, you know, the very big possibility that he, he might not survive the pregnancy yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, and so you would have absolutely. been putting yourself through more risk yeah, 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 and yeah. him through more risk yeah. and harm and all that sort yeah. of thing. And getting bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. Because also um, with genetic... And I don't know if this is for all genetic uh, pregnancy. Um, again, I hate using the word disorder, but that's the medical phrase. Um, you carry a lot more water. So you're much bigger than a pregnancy without genetic problems. Um, so I was actually as big as I was at the end of Chloe's pregnancy. So I looked, um, I looked eight months pregnant and I was... Yeah, and he was tiny, but I was just carrying so much water because of the genetic situation. So also, you know, it could, like, I don't know what I would have looked like had I have got to the end of that pregnancy. Um, and there may well have been other health implications for me. I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's load, there was loads of stuff to talk about and decide, um, you and Ed, when, you know, you, you got this information for the first time. It, it mm. seems like you all already kind of you know knew what you would do but was there any part of you that was like maybe and there wasn't really any hope to be honest um 
I remember when we came out of um when we came out of the 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 really big in depth heart scan, I remember we were like on the South Bank and um I just cried, obviously crying loads. And I remember saying, I can't do this again. I can't do another pregnancy, you know, but this was our third pregnancy. Um, we'd had a miscarriage, we'd had Chloe stillborn, and then this was our third. And, you know, the medical professionals had told us everything will be fine <laughs> before we transferred hospitals. So, like, we wouldn't have gone into it had we have thought that any of this could potentially happen or like had we thought that any of the risks would come back, I don't think we would have done it. You said it changed the light in which you saw Chloe's um, birth yeah. as well, yeah, that it yeah, made yeah, you realise yeah. that there were things that could have been done. Um, and, also, and also, I guess, like, after Chloe was born, the hope was that was a very, very rare thing everything will be fine from here going forward. Because that's what we'd been told, that every other pregnancy would be fine. Now, so the situation now is that in any future, what we've been told is that if we were to try for a baby again, it's very likely that there would be issues. Not necessarily genetic, but another problem that came up with Seahorse was that the placenta, again, wasn't right in, in a similar way to how it was with Chloe. Um, and a lot of the other, you know, we now know that a lot of Chloe's problems would have come back. So now the situation is that actually Chloe's our only child that would have survived and that could have actually survived and lived a healthy life because Seahorse wouldn't have. Um, and we we know that we can't have any more biological children. Um, yeah, which is the current situation. Um, How have you dealt with that grief? Because obviously it's one thing to have the grief of, of actual children that you've lost, but mm. then also the grief of the future, that this is kind yeah. of it for you. Um, well, I think... In terms of biological children anyway. Yeah, for me... I think because I came out so young, I always, I don't think I ever expected to personally carry children. I always thought that, um, because before Ed, my relationships were with women, um, I always thought I would be the other parent that doesn't carry and, or I thought that we would adopt, you know? So I've always had adoption on my radar um, and an open expectation of what family means as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. That's a, a really good um, way of saying it. Um, and, and, you know, I feel my friends are often family more than some family members are, you know. So, like, I do understand family in a very, in a, in a non-biological way. And that is very much part of my whole life. Um so yeah, I'm still kind of, I guess I'm still kind of getting my head around what that is for the future. But um, I mean, part of the thing now is that I just don't plan. I don't really plan ahead because everything that I planned for my life just kind of got destroyed in 18 months. So I, kn I now know that that doesn't work. So I don't do that anymore. So I just kind of like live day by day and I just kind of 
I live for like short term solutions instead of like in a year it will be this or in a blah blah blah. So um so I guess that has changed. Um can I talk a bit about the the birth? Because I guess that was quite different. If you want to, yeah, absolutely. Um so Seahorse passed away. So we found out um on Friday the third of March that he had the issue he then passed away the following thursday um by which point i was 24 and a half weeks um technically the legal um cutoff point is 24 weeks exactly but when it comes to um when it comes to very very high risk pregnancies um there is there There's is no an limit. aspect of yeah. the law where they will that where they can override that to a certain point and we fell within that category um so is it actually i think there is no limit when it's a so either high risk or um risk to the mother's life i think yeah, I, don't, the, I, I, I don't think i've ever looked into it but yeah i mean yeah um so he passed away um through a, a medical termination on the Thursday. Um and we got to say goodbye to him, which was really nice. And and also I should probably explain that when you're six months pregnant, um you can feel the baby moving. So I'd already felt him moving for like uh seven or eight weeks, something like that. And at that point, you really develop like a bond with the baby and they start to react to you. They can they can hear everything from four months onwards. So they they react to your voice. They react to your food. They react to every environment you're in. They're in with you and they react to it. And he was a big mover. Now that I have my ADHD diagnosis, that explains probably why the babies are crazy movers. <laughs> and like just, you know, it's like you've got a beehive in your stomach basically like it's just constant movement um and he would respond to us calling him seahorse which was really nice um so we got to speak to him we had like I think maybe 20 minutes half an hour or so with him just talking to him and stuff and like telling him about everybody that was really important in our lives and like, you know, telling him about Doris and actually like, you know, again, Doris was like on the bump loads and was like, you know, really connected to him. Like she was Chloe. Um, so that was quite special that we got to have that moment. And then, uh, and then he passed away a little bit after that. And then we went in for the labor on the day after um, which my mum flew over for as well. So my mum wasn't there for Chloe's birth because Chloe uh, was an early labour that wasn't expected. Um, and my mum lives in France, so she wasn't around for Chloe's birth. Um, but she did see Chloe at the funeral directors and actually, you know, really liked making a connection with her at the funeral directors. So my mum really wanted to be there for the birth. Um, we'd also decided that Ed... Um, wouldn't be able to meet seahorse after he was born um but i wanted to it's you know 
everybody feels very differently in these kind of situations and it's really important to honor your instincts um and my mum really wanted to meet him really wanted to meet seahorse so she came over for the birth the team were amazing i had remy fentanyl again so they put it on a button for me again what's what's funny about um just looking at my hand so just before seahorse was born i burnt my thumb um like i think it was the day before the day he passed away i burnt my thumb and it scarred and it, i'm guessing it will probably always be there um next to that scar i have a scar where I burnt myself on my friend Charlotte's um, little girl who's passed away called Margot on Margot's birthday. I burnt myself and there's a scar. Um, and then just underneath that is another scar, which is where they put the cannula in for seahorse. Um, and for that was the thing. Right. It, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's funny that I've got, a, well, it's funny that I've got two scars to do with seahorse and one scar to do with um, Margot that's in between them. And it's kind of nice that I get to, and it's on the same arm where I've got the tattoos as well. So yeah, I was on excellent pain relief. Now what I will recommend, not the deaths. For anyone going through this. I don't recommend the deaths, but what I do recommend, with Chloe, we didn't think to play music during labour. With Seahorse, we played loads of music. Um... Don't do drugs, but music with um, yeah, when you're off your tits, yeah, and music with Remy Fentanyl. So I think I just had music with Gassinet, and it was just that for a few hours, maybe. Absolutely amazing music and Gassinet, incredible parties. I give um, you, I can give you well, helium. Yeah, I, I can give you helium balloons and Spotify. But this is the thing I didn't. Now I know why people like doing those balloons at festivals. I'd never, it's, don't do drugs, but like the sound, it completely transforms your experience of sound. We'll try it, my love. We'll go on. We'll do it. We'll do it. It's London night out. Yeah, yeah, why not? Um, Or just like get someone to like knock us out so we end up in hospital. They're like, could you put my favourite music on, please? I can get my knee done again instead. Let's just both like fuck up our ACLs. We'll both go in hospital. We're like, hey, party, can't move. But. Honestly, it's absolutely amazing. Um, so the, the labour was quite a lot, quite long, and I had to stay in hospital the whole time. Um, so I went in at like 10 o'clock on the Friday, and then he was born at 3.30 in the morning the next day. Um, I remember, I think, I honestly think it was like one or 2am where my mum and Ed were trying to sleep. I was like contractions galore, like having a proper chat with the midwife, like off my face, being like, oh, can I tell you about my cat? And just like, (laughs) and like really cracking jokes and everything. Apparently I was hilarious. I wasn't funny with Chloe. Yeah, you would have been. I was hilarious when I was. Yeah, coming up. I wasn't funny with Chloe, but I was hilarious with Seahorse in my... And I was actually really enjoying it, like the birthing experience and stuff. We're really getting into it. Honestly, I think I must have said a thousand times, it feels like I'm at a festival. And I just kept shouting it. Oh, I'm lucky. I'm at a festival. It's well good. 
And, and I the was, thing is, yeah, Ed doesn't get to be on this stuff. So, <laughs> oh, like, my mum, my They should give mom. it to both of them. So, like, at least you're all on the same level. So you're all, like, just a bit fucked up. <laughs> rather than two people, like, traumatised. Why is she so happy that this is happening? Doesn't she know? Um, I mean, were you, like, yeah, what, how, what was the balance like then between the grief and the just... The what the oh fuck no! Are you're just you're just oh my god! You're tits. in a different world. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was no, no the, idea what's going honestly, on. Honestly, no, really, no grief. Like in the actual labour, like because you're just off your tits, especially with Remy fentanyl because it is like heroin. Like so, you're just and like that with the gas and air. I was going crazy for what it. What was it like coming down for that? From that, was there any kind of like? Surely it must have hit you like a. A brick. Yeah, or but was then it I this guess sort it, of... it would have done anyway, right? Yeah, because so... yeah, I guess even if without all that stuff, you're still going you're through still and labor. you're still focusing on the pain. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So you're still going to have a massive come down and stuff. Um, but I remember, I think I sent, I, I was texting everybody. Was I texting you? I was I texting, you oh my me, God, yeah, I was texting me. people telling them how funny I was. I was texting Kaylee because she was in Australia and I was like, babe, it's so funny, blah, blah, blah. I was like watching comedy videos. Um, <laughs> you're I'm looking through your messages. Through WhatsApp to see if you well, sent me anything. If you look at the um, 10th of March, if yeah. you search for 10th of March, it should come up. Um Oh yeah, it was it was I'd have been funny like, yeah, and hilarious. She, she's <laughs> actually this one much better. Yeah, <laughs> she is jokes. She's all right, yeah. Um so oh yeah. my god, yeah, you <laughs> feel free to read it out. Go on. Oh I haven't looked back god, at these. Right. Go on. So your first text, Jimmy. Um so I sent you a message on on the 10th of March saying, sending you all the love in the world, you unbelievably beautiful human. Wish I could do something to take away the pain. Blah blah blah. blah. Love you so much. Then you sent you sent a picture of watching M married at first sight Australia waiting for contractions. <laughs> and then I was like, Are you at home waiting or back in hospital? And you went in hosp. <laughs> and and then I sent you a, a meme of a rabbit eating strawberries because I thought maybe that'll make you happy. And you were like, Would like to just state I'm the UK's best comic when on gas and air. And I went, I can believe it. My anesthetist put jelly on my head and I told him he should sing, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. <laughs> I forgot that. That was quite funny. Um, and I was like, what did you come out with? And you like still in labour. And I think you might have thought I meant a baby. And I meant actually like, what did you say to him? But I probably, <laughs> probably phrased that poorly for someone who's in labour. What did you come out with? A dead baby hatch. A dead baby. And I was like, wow. And you said, literally everyone finds me hilarious. Maybe this is why Catherine Ryan has so many kids. And I was like, what? Writes all her jokes in labour. And you went, totes. Uh, I said, get Ed to write them down. Laughing gas should be called memory gas. It's also way better with music. We didn't have music last time. And I was like, what are you listening to? Is the pain okay? And you went, it's a French playlist. And you sent me your playlist, which was relaxing French music. <laughs> I did send that around. Yeah. Um, and then I think, yeah, then I think something must have changed because you didn't, uh, that was... What time that was that 20 past to? 11 was the last when you sent me. Oh. And you wrote, sent me this playlist, be like, you'd love it. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and then I may have started text, texting Kaylee at that point because it was probably UK well, night I mean, time. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was and she was in Australia. Then the next day, I was like, "Yeah, I hope you're resting now." No response. And then the next day, you said about um, my life is over. Memory box and coming oh, around yeah. to um, yeah. So it was quite a well, it was a roller coaster, uh, like because life is. So, but one thing that I remember. <laughs> All right, Ronan. All right, Ronan. <laughs> but one thing I do remember really clearly is that. Um, 
that at at one point, I think it had gone midnight. I had such an urge to listen to garage music. When don't you though? I mean, I know, yeah. obviously, <laughs> but Ed and my mum were both trying to sleep, and I was like, I just want to listen to garage. Let it me have to be on a speaker. It can be in. <laughs> and so, and so we agreed, and actually, maybe it was like closer to two a.m. or something. Like it was proper late, and they were really trying to sleep. We agreed that I was allowed one song. So I chose Miss Dynamite. So we agreed on, but I was like, oh my God, which one am I going to pick? Maybe I was allowed two because I feel like I played um, with, with a little bit of luck. Imagine. Did you like an MC? Make it through the night. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. That would have been a. Oh my God. Love that song. Okay. So anyway, so Seahorse was born at 3.30. As agreed, Ed went home. Um, Ed's sister. Kate had come over to our house so that she was there to kind of look after us the next day with her husband. Um, so, yeah, so Ed went home, my mum stayed with me, and then in the morning we did a memory box with Seahorse, basically. Spent a bit of time with him, had breakfast and stuff, and then went home. And the midwives were amazing, like, how they deal with scenarios like that is beyond me, but they were so great, amazing team. Um, and really looked after us and like didn't seem like sad, scared, freaked out or whatever, like handling him or, or anything like that. Um, if anything, I was probably the person in the room, like finding it the weirdest. But my mum and the midwives just found it quite normal. Um, yeah. And then what was what was nice is that we dressed him in some of Chloe's stuff. So uh, my friend Kaylee had... Um, had got Chloe like a premature baby grow, um, which didn't fit Chloe, but it did fit him. So we put that on him. And then another friend um, commissioned a cardigan that had the name Chloe on it, Chloe's name on it. So we put that on him as well. Um, yeah. I'm conscious. Yeah, we're going very late. Yeah, I was going to just um, basically talk about your tattoos yeah, yeah, and yeah. the way that you've handled the memories of your children in your house because you've sort of been through a couple of yeah, kind of yeah, phases yeah. with it because yes. I know obviously after Chloe you had lots of yeah, Chloe yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and you want there was these constant reminders and then I think you had a bit of a switch where you were yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, time yeah. to yeah change the yeah. setting that I'm in so yeah, just yeah, tell yeah, me yeah, briefly yeah. about, yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. that yeah so some big differences like after Seahorse was born I decided to um, to go on maternity leave for six months um, to have some space to really process all three um, deaths. Um, and everything in our house just had Chloe's name on um, and we had a lot of Chloe stuff. And I just thought, oh my God, if we have the same amount of stuff for Seahorse and also I'm trying to remember my cousin in my house as well. Like, it's just going to end up like a grief house. Just of like pictures of dead people everywhere, which like nobody mausoleum. wants to come to. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We, d we decided to kind of take down a lot of the kind of like grief art and grief stuff and just kind of kept it all down for a long time. Um, and I've now kind of made a conscious effort to try and... Uh, put more happy memories up everywhere to kind of remember nice things of people that are alive. But it's part of the process, right? Because right? yeah. I think it was, I as a friend found that quite comforting that was like, oh no, you want 
Chloe stuff. You don't want yeah, people yeah, to be yeah. like acting yeah. like you didn't have a child yeah, and yeah, all this yeah. sort of thing. And but it did feel like this is a part of a process and there, and it has to be a conscious decision because, yeah, you could live in that stuff forever if you well, wanted yeah, to. Exactly. You know? And then it, when does it end? Exactly, like every dead yeah. person you've got, do you know what I mean? It's like, um, and also I guess something that was really different this time is, is how people reacted because I think, particularly with how people reacted with me, some people who had been good with Chloe uh just it's almost like it's almost like this was like oh no maybe it was oh well you know she knows I care because I did it all with Chloe but I'm not going to say anything about this dead child or it was like oh my god this person is just cursed I just can't go near them um a lot of people just completely shied away from this bereavement and from this process compared to Chloe with Chloe everybody showed up you know at the funeral and at the wake and all of that kind of stuff um nobody really wanted to come to Seahorse's funeral or wake um it was just really it was different. a private thing I because I remember I don't think I was invited to Seahorse's funeral you said there was a memory box that you asked people to come around a lot of family didn't want to come to the yeah we were we were just keeping the we were just checking I didn't yeah, like no, 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 say no, no. no. We, we we kept funeral invites to just a small family um but the majority of people didn't feel like they could come which is understandable um so it was very very small um but then also in the aftermath like I just yeah I just haven't heard from that many people compared to Chloe um and there are still loads of people that I haven't heard from at all that haven't acknowledged that he's died or whatever or just had you know some people just it's almost like they just crossed me off their list or deleted yeah. my number or something it's like I don't exist anymore so and then and then some amazing people have been great like you Kaylee and lots of other people who've just kind of stepped forward instead of stepping away um and there are, you know, I guess through all of this, I've been learning about like ways to heal and what you need and all of that. And I feel like community and having people around you who aren't scared of the darkness, you know, like I did with Arushka, like that's kind of key to getting through all of this. Um, I'd wanted tattoos for ages, but because of being pregnant all the time, um, I hadn't had tattoos for Chloe either. Um, so on my right arm, I've got a butterfly, which is Chloe's symbol. That's like a fine line artwork that goes into a seahorse. And on my left arm, I've got, um, some writing of Arushka's, which is on a blog that she wrote about mental health. Um, and it says, sending you so much love. I am with you, Arushka and a kiss. Um, and yeah, I kind of, this summer, last summer, I just shut myself out of the world really apart from work but I didn't really socialise that much last summer after Chloe died. This summer I've done the absolute opposite. So although I haven't been at work, so I've had six months off, um, I've done the opposite in terms of socialising and I've, you know, went to a festival and have been going to lots of weddings and holidays and like just trying to find hope, I guess, mm-hmm. and like things to enjoy, things to live for, because I guess it can feel like sometimes that, there isn't anything to live for. Yeah. So to just find those things. And like, I think that's the thing. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? If you're not yeah, going yeah, yeah, to exactly. do this and try to consciously yeah. get yeah. what you can from life yeah, and yeah, to yeah. be as present as you can and to yeah. find the joy, then then you, I guess it's like they're saying, you could surround yourself with all these memories and all yeah. the death shrines at, yeah. at home <laughs> stuff and be like, just lock yourself away. Yeah. And yeah, when does that end? You have to 
and it's a conscious decision, isn't it? Like you, you have, you're working so hard to do this, to put things in the diary, to see things, to get out there when you obviously don't want to. Um, it's- but there's also new relationships that have come out of it. Like, I mean, my, you know, my marriage with Ed is like so strong and we've been through so much, like, um, but also I'm so much uh, more connected and closer with my aunt because my aunt has also lost a child. Um so we are very closely connected now in a way that we've never been before, I would say. We've always been close, but it's a very deep relationship now and a deep level of understanding. Um, my cousin's uh, close friend, Danny, um, I've really connected with since Arushka's funeral. Uh, we get on really well. We're really similar people, which is probably why mm-hmm. Arushka was close to both of us. And we're both cat people. Um, and Arushka's cat is still very much around and... I still receive like videos and pictures of her like I always did. Um, I also um, have gotten into gardening a lot this year. My mum and my aunt have really helped me with gardening, um, which has been really, really nice. And being in nature is apparently supposed to be really good for you, like medically and everything. And I've really noticed that. Feeding the squirrels again at my house this time. Um, I've been really dreading September through to March and we're in September now. Because it's when all the like anniversaries start, like this time last year we were conceiving and and then it's baby loss awareness week, which is when we got pregnant. And then it's Arushka's anniversary and the scans and, you know, so it's and also this is the first autumn and winter that I haven't been pregnant since 2020. Um, and actually at the end of 2020, I got pregnant. So like I've been pregnant every winter in some way since 2019, uh, which is crazy. Um, maybe I need to get a new wardrobe. Um, <laughs> so, just, um, so you're finding all these ways to the yeah, sort of move forward. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up, but I'm just wondering, finally, um, let's talk very briefly about Baby Loss Awareness Week, um, which is when I'll put this out. Um, what are you going to be doing God that knows. week? I haven't week? really worked out how to deal with that week yet. I think having this come out, around then will be really helpful just so that I can point people towards it. Um, Sands are an amazing charity that support people who've experienced baby loss. Um, and I've, you know, s- still got some amazing uh, friends through Sands that I'm really grateful for. So yeah, I haven't quite worked out Baby Loss Awareness Week yet because it will be the year since we got pregnant with Seahorse as well. I'm very aware of that. But hopefully I'll be doing something that isn't just sitting indoors crying on Doris. <laughs> but Best that Doris. will probably be also you know, some of that. Week, make, yeah, know. make some time for the, for the crying with Doris. Yeah. Seeing you looking at your notes, was there anything else you wanted to... One thing that I would like to do is um, read out... Uh, oh, I'd also like to recommend an amazing um, suicide bereavement group called SOBS, which stands for Survivors of bereavement by suicide have to close my eyes when I'm saying it because I can never remember the letters um it's an amazing network of people that have lost people to suicide and I've found it so helpful as have other family members um so I do kind of recommend that and I would say that despite having all the craziness of my life um you know, I do still hope to become a parent through adoption at some point. And I do know that there are things to live for. And I know that Arushka couldn't find that, but I'm like, you know, making it my mission to, to, to live for her in a way, you know, 
Um, and I'm trying to kind of do a lot more around like mental health. I would like to, I've always wanted to be a therapist and I've kind of, you know, hope that I will do that at some point in the next few years, maybe start some training or something. Um, Cause I mean, nobody can tell me anything. <laughs> probably worse than everything. Well, that this I've been was through. something I sort of I mentioned to you earlier. I was listening to a podcast with Liz Gilbert and she was talking about losing, you know, who she calls the love of her life, Raya. And, mm how she couldn't be the person she is now or needs yeah. to is supposed to be now if Rhea was still around. And um, I guess this is about who do you, who are you now? Yeah. Who, who do you feel that you are now? Well, I don't really know yet. Um, I guess I'm working that out. I guess what I would say is anybody that knew, any, anyone that hasn't seen me since February 2022, <laughs> uh, I am such a different person in so many ways. Um, please don't ask me to go on holiday in six months because I will just say no. Um, and I do say things like, oh, well, we might be dead by then and stuff like that. And that's fine. Um, but I don't, I don't plan ahead anymore. I'm very much a person that lives in the moment. And I think in a way that makes me more intense because I'm so present that it's probably quite intense for people. And I don't think I was like that before. Um, who knows? I I mean, (laughs) well... Well, I think it's a beautiful thing and I think it's a way of finding that is ultimately, I mean, isn't that the test of everything that um, whatever you go through in life, somehow it always comes back to being in the moment. Absolutely everything comes back to can you connect with the people, the things, the place that are right in front of you because, yeah, absolutely nothing is, um, is guaranteed and can be taken for granted. Before we finish, what I'd like to do is read out a list of babies that have been lost that I know, and I'm going to read them out in the order that they were born. And I'm just going to say their first names. Luna, Charlie, Margot, Flipper, the Diamond Hunter Twins... Then we had our Chloe, Ella, Isabella Skye, Rory, Angel, Matilda, Eva, Baby Seahorse. And Baby Eleanor. So that's all of the babies that, where I know they're amazing parents and they've helped me through and continue to help me through. <laughs> 